Do you guys know who Donald Trump is? Oh yeah, of course you know. What do you think of him? I think he's racist. He's not racist, he just wants whites to rule the world forever. Is that that big of a deal? 48 minutes of dogs barking. 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 Growl. Oh boy, Jason, are you so glad that we're recording remote just like the old days? <laughs> it takes me back to starting the show. Yeah, it absolutely does. Yeah. Yeah, we're not uh, we're not feeling too great these days. Uh, we originally planned to have a guest on. We talked about it last week. Had uh, had Chris Ward all ready to come into the chalet, and then, well, you know how things go. Somebody came over and had a barbecue, and I was you know sniffling and sneezing, and I said, you know what, not today. And then Brian did the same. So it it, it uh, well, you didn't actually do the exact same. No, it's more just my allergies tend to get really bad this time of year, and. This time last year when I was like, oh, God, man, my allergies are really beating the shit out of me. Oh, it turned out it was COVID. So I'm kind of trying not to risk that situation a second time. Oh, yeah. It was almost to the day. Yeah, it's almost it's almost exactly a year ago because it was the Boris show, which was like 9, 10 or 9, 11. That I think I got yeah. that. Or I got from you. You know, we really don't know. Who the fuck knows? Yeah, yeah boy. It, oh, you got defensive there. It's almost like you were like, oh, yeah, I gave it to him. It could have been. I don't fucking uh, know. Yeah, I'm not. Nobody knows. I don't really know. Yeah. I'm not particularly concerned. These are just the working theories. The fans probably have like a wiki and like a, a cork board and red string and like, who did what? Yeah, but yesterday at work, everyone's <laughs> coming back from the holidays. Sound like they spent the entire weekend at the Casino Queen, like eating shit. Everyone's just like, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> oh, yeah, I had some people over. And it's just like, I'm just like, dude, you shouldn't. You shouldn't be at work. You should be like duct taping like your door frames. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what what a charmed period of time that was. Charmed. I don't know if that that's the everything's word I would gonna use, kill yeah. you, particularly the brown people. Well, sure. And that like, um, more specifically, like whatever like fucking podunk town you live in, the terrorists, that's where they really want to hit. Yeah, because you did have people going nuts like in like Bloomington, Illinois. Like they're going to come here and they're going to blow us all up. Yeah, I mean, it's um, not too different than like um, the the Antifa super soldiers being bussed around the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a way that like a bus full of Antifa are heading to like Redding or like Eugene Two things, I guess we got to get out of the way. Two, two people that uh, that we lost this week. Of course, Jimmy Buffett. I posted this on social media, basically that my dad was a big Jimmy Buffett guy, and I kind of got into him through my dad. I always thought, you know, he's a better songwriter than people even realize. But then someone, of course, I couldn't help but laugh. Someone posted uh, Jimmy Buffett, the only open casket funeral where the coffin has a salt rim. And so, <laughs> that's yeah. God damn. Well, I mean, probably true too. But uh, just, uh, it was a good, goofy, uh, you know, just a goofy dude who who liked the beach. What what else do you want out of life? You know, you got a cheeseburger in paradise. You're you're looking for your lost shaker of salt. You know, things are going well. My mom was a big Jimmy. I don't think anyone in my family is a big Jimmy Buffett person. I think honestly, the closest thing I was tortured with 
as a kid was probably the Eagles. I still love the Eagles. Yeah. Oh, well, that's nice. And, <laughs> like I can't people get all weird about it and they're like quoting Big Lebowski at me like it's fine, whatever. Can't I mean I can't even listen to Pearl Jam as really? an adult or most of Red Hot Chili Peppers because I had to listen to it or any Aerosmith I had to listen to it so much as a kid that like well, equally traumatic, of course, is Steve Harwell from Smash Mouth passed away this week as well. Uh, unfortunately, you know, he he'd basically drunk himself to death, though. So it was a very different. I kind of expected that's the way Jimmy Buffett would go versus uh, Steve. But, you know, um, uh, there's weird like that. I, I wasted away again. And I don't know. I don't know enough. It wasted away again in Flavorville, Flavortown. I don't know. <laughs> is, is that a thing? Does that work? That's right. Because. Because everybody kept saying that he and Guy Fieri looked alike. That's apparently right. yeah. they were uh, they were bros <laughs> in real life. So that sounds that sounds right. I mean, Guy Fieri he comes across as as one of those guys. It's just like, yeah, it's my bro. So so that guy he pieced out. You know, we did an episode about him, Brian. You did post that. This is going to be relevant soon, and sadly, yeah, it is. But I mean, he was a good sport. He ate the eggs. Uh, he <laughs> that, sure that did. Guy Fieri cooked for him, and uh, he had a sense of humor about the whole thing and. I'll always remember there was a big kerfuffle when DJ Khaled came out and said that he doesn't eat pussy. And, and Steve, from the official Smash Mouth account, was like, hey, you're not a king if you don't. And so <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hell yeah, bro. <laughs> you know, just stand with the stand with my pussy eating brothers out there. Nature's dill fluff. <laughs> Speaking of eating pussy and all the other uh, things, yeah, Brian, yeah, once again, sex scene discourse has reared its ugly head. Yeah. Uh. So now people are saying they don't want to see Emma Stone portraying a mentally retarded woman that's furiously masturbating for comedic effect. <laughs> I don't know if it's that she's mentally disabled. It's more of a Frankenstein story. Or a wild child or something. Yeah. It's a movie called Poor Things. And, uh, yeah, she's a, a woman who dies and is brought back to life through some crazy mad scientist. And then the whole movie is about her kind of rediscovering what it is to be human. And obviously part of being human is fucking. Mm -hmm. And Mark Ruffalo is in it and, and um, a heavily disfigured makeup uh, Willem Dafoe. You got those three already. I'm already there. And then you tell me it's like horny Frankenstein. Fuck yeah. Let's go. <laughs> There was a Guardian piece that it said, you know, director's latest film has more explicit scenes than almost all modern studio-backed features, which doesn't say much because, you know, that's you have a very small pool to draw from. The real meat and potatoes of why I want to talk about this is this, this, this Twitter user, Cora Bueller, responds with, Please know, most actors and many viewers don't particularly like or miss these scenes, only film critics and some directors want to see them. And then tries to pin the sex scene epidemic, or sorry, the prevalence of filmic sex scenes was a phenomenon of the World War II and post-war generation. We had, we had to fuck. We had to fuck. The shame, the Kaiser, and the Fuhrer. The children of the boomers, because the boomers were so Repressed. prudish, yeah, that, that this is why movies in the 60s and 70s embraced sexuality instead of running from it then she goes on to talk about yeah here in europe 
Gen X had the most liberal upbringing and wasn't nearly as interested in sex on film. I call it bullshit. If you've ever seen a Greg or Rocky movie, those movies were aimed at Gen Xers and they had a shit ton of sex in them. I mean, wasn't it like a running joke that like European movies for decades were basically pornos in all but name? Yeah. Oh, a lot of French directors love to do that. I mean, shit, even Lars von Trier did two movies, Nymphomaniac. Yeah. Parts one and two. There's a whole entire section of like European film where it's like, yeah, that's that's actually like in your big dramatic movie like no that's that's real actual bone in sex that was filmed and yeah and, romance and a couple other movies that could name yeah they're just it's just like, like no yeah, like these actors there's are no cock sock this is actual yeah <laughs> yeah these days they're doing it digitally but still like, uh, there's a lot of i'm not kidding <laughs> i'm not kidding I'm, I'm just for, imagining, for scenes in nymphomaniac i'm imagining just like a uh, a guy in a, a green skin suit like <laughs> Exactly, jerking me yes, jerking yes, off yes. a guy like uh <laughs> like he's collecting semen from a pig <laughs> well he has this most dour expression on his face well you can't you can't see his f- face because he's in the green screen suit yeah no i meant the oh. actor that he's jerking off the the, the, the scene requires it yeah they're, they're using a lot of techniques that they developed in the third uh thor movie for this one <laughs> a lot of uh not so much a uh, quote unquote in camera here. Sure, yeah, it's, it's all in post. Yeah, <laughs> we're filming the uh, the actors with multiple cameras so we can manipulate the the come shot in post. Yeah, we're, yeah, <laughs> make sure it gets right where it needs to go. Yeah, <laughs> it's terrible. Well, speaking of terrible, Burning Man was this past week. Yeah, boy. Oh boy. Man, you, you you love to see it. You do like to see uh, rich morons kind of getting their comeuppance, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I think it's I, mean, I think it's great. So for those of you who were not in in the know, Vox did have a, a nice little explainer called the Burning Man Flame Out Explains. Oddly enough, um, but, but the idea is, of course, if you've never heard of Burning Man, it is. Uh, God, it's like a Hunter Thompson novel it takes place in the desert. A bunch of people get together, they create structures, and they basically create these entire little mini villages. At the Playa. The pl- thank you. The Playa in Black Rock City. There's scheduled events. You know, there's music. There's a few other things that, that, that go on. But this year, it started to rain. And the rain turned Black Rock City and the surrounding desert, the Playa, as you said, into... Goop <laughs> and a lot of the, the the wealthy people stuck there. Not unlike Soylent. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> it just poured Soylent all over. Uh, <laughs> so they canceled a lot of stuff due to weather on Friday, and then a lot of people were stuck there. Uh, Diplo and Chris Rock. Well, those two found their way out, paid somebody, or they hitched a ride. Or I, I can't remember what the story there is, but everyone was kind of basically waiting until the road opened back up on monday so it's like four days but i mean you know you got to figure that some of these people paid three grand a ticket is that really how much it is they're about wow is it's actually cheaper to be uh press at south by southwest than is to go to burning man it's south by southwest i think the last time i heard was you had to pay like 700 bucks to get like a press credential ah damn from insider burning man costs people a minimum of 800 for a ticket and a parking spot so I think that's part of it is there's the ticket and then there's the ability to like park your RV or whatever you're bringing. Oh, I'm sorry. I uh my steampunk 
recumbent bike is technically not a vehicle. <laughs> it doesn't run on uh, any combustible energy. Uh, just me, right. just me and my homemade bucha. Now there were five thousand tickets available at a discounted two hundred twenty-five dollars for people with quote financial hardships. Uh, okay, and, <laughs> and they also had FOMO tickets. I spent all my money gluing army men to an old El Camino. <laughs> This is my I, I, my, I, I talked to my accountant. I can't claim it as a hardship on my taxes mm-hmm. this year, but I can't, I can't do it next year. And then you also got to figure, and this is something that, that I've kind of figured out when I went to go see Cirque du Soleil, there is a Nevada-specific tax for live entertainment. at It's almost 10% now. I think it's like 9% for the live entertainment tax in Nevada. So on a $600 ticket, that's another you know 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. And then each... Vehicle pass. Oh, there's a fee there. Credit card processing fee on the subtotal of all your pass. I mean, gosh, man, it's worse than going yeah, to a fucking baseball game. Well, and then you got to go to fucking Black Rock City to get you know. So yeah, you're you're fucked either way. A lot of money. You have to get there. You're gonna because you know, the festival is actually supposed to go for nine days. So you got to find a place to sleep or bring your own. If some people who were doing you know RVs, but you got to rent that if you don't own it. It's just, it, it's fucking insane. And then you got to, of course, budget in food. Already, you're, you know, another couple hundred bucks there. I mean, you're dropping some serious dosh just to go to this thing. Yeah. I know someone whose job paid for them and some of their coworkers to go last year. And I can't imagine, mm. I couldn't imagine going. I can't, I've never worked with anyone I liked enough to be like, <laughs> I, you know, I feel yeah. like I feel like I feel like uh, you know at thirty seven, I I could probably count on like both hands the amount of people I would want to do like a afternoon long float trip with, much less nine days on the playa. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, just... I can't. Like I mean, like if I were going to like leave them there, then yes, right. I mean we're talking fingers and toes here. <laughs> But but to actually spend like uh, it's an expense you gotta you know you gotta factor in how annoying is this person and how much is it gonna cost me to leave them in the desert? Well, well. you know, listen, <laughs> looking at my watch, like well, it's not criminal if there's other people that can t- can take the burden. <laughs> yes, here take my coworker that used to uh, warm up fish in the very tiny break room almost every single fucking day. It made the whole entire building smell like fucking fish. You know, in some societies, they would consider that like, you know, doing you a favor. So that's bas- the basics of what happened. People paid a lot of money to go there. They got stuck. But then shit started to go really wrong. A guy died from an overdose. Damn. You know, people started leaving behind. Just They just would abandon their vehicles and waste and, you know, whatever else they had. And then the funniest possible thing happened. Bernie, the guy who runs the Falcon Refinance... Twitter on his Discord, his weirdo followers, of which I am one, uh, <laughs> decided to fuck with people and insist that there was an Ebola outbreak. <laughs> and so the words "Burning Man" and "Ebola" were trending for like two whole days on the strength of just some solid gold shit posts, altering New York Times headlines to say, "Yes, there is an outbreak of Ebola at Burning Man." They got. Fellow podcaster Brace Belden from Truanon in on the act. He was insisting that he was there. And like, I, I want to <laughs> say that it got to the point where I'm like, wait, 
Wait, is there actually an Ebola outbreak? <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. yeah, because enough people were saying, and enough people were like giving enough detail. You're like, why? Well, actually, might is it? Is it true? You know. And people afterwards, like after a day or so of it, were like, you know, this just shows like QAnon's broken people's brains and shit. I'm like, actually, this is what we used to just do on the internet all yeah. the time. Like yeah. this was this was like the thing you did on the internet was like besides vandalizing Wikipedia, it was creating <laughs> hoaxes that the normies would fall for. Yeah, here's True Anon's post. Did not have Diplo and Chris Rock broke Ebola quarantine at Burning Man with the help of, of a mysterious unnamed fan on my 2023 dystopia bingo card. But here we are. <laughs> Amazing. And it just it continued on throughout the weekend. I can't tell you enough how much i miss this kind of tomfoolery because you know like you said it was it used to be the stock and trade or something on twitter that's how we got steve harwell to eat the eggs was tomfoolery (laughs) and people just just doing whatever and change reality by tweeting it is oh this is so different than uh the situationists and psychogeography you know i'm gonna just try to make this really like no no I, i i you're absolutely right too Am I? You're I'm absolutely just, I'm right really to do just, so. I'm just absolutely talking out of my ass here. But yeah, you know, this was Constant. No, what Constant right. was, I mean, was talking about with New Babylon about, I don't know, automation and, and chance encounters and the, the the nomad lifestyle. See? Yeah. All right. Maybe I've got something No, no I think, yeah. I, I, like I said, I'm going to let you cook. Situationists themselves would be very much at home on Twitter especially. Because, I mean, what's more of a situation than, like, breaking news? Oh, gosh, you know? can you imagine Giddy Board just posting Goatsy over and over again? <laughs> or Asker Jorn. He <laughs> 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 made, like, a ceramic asshole, you know? Like <laughs> oh, gosh. That's a good pull. That's a good pull. The letterist guy, uh, Trisan, Trisan? I can't remember his name. I, I think Ice Isidore is who I was thinking of. Uh, oh, okay. Or okay, Isidore... Okay. Uh, Isu. Okay. Uh, R- R- Romanian-born French poet, novelist, film director, economist, and visual artist. That sounds like the guy. God, yeah. he di- he died in 2007. That's amazing. Damn. He hung on for a while. Yeah, hung on for a while. It was all those cigarettes he was eating. He got to see the Matrix. So that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even think the guy that wrote Simulacra. Uh, no, simulation. yeah, Simulacra and Simulation. Yeah, God, that was one it. of the worst books I've ever bought. I think now if I reread it, I'd probably find it be okay. But it was one of those things where I'm like, this is, this is, I'm going to use this to level something that's uneven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So for the last thing this week, Brian, new video game came out. I trust that you are aware. Of course, we talked about, it, I believe, before on things that we're looking forward to. You're looking forward to Starfield, Brian? I, I am not. I believe last week, if you recall, my opinion was I'm not going to play this game, even if I can play oh, yes, it that's right. for free. Because I'm like... That's right. Bethesda game... I, I remember watching a couple of reviews, and I think like IGN gave it like a very tepid 7. And not that I consider mm-hmm. like... Yeah, numbered reviews like out of ten, like to be you know like definitive or anything. But I was like, man, this is you know sometimes you can give a game like a a score like a seven or or an eight and be very enthusiastic about it. But this was really kind of like yeah. one of those like we're giving it a seven because we want to give it lower, but like we want to keep our advertising budget nice. We we want to make sure that Bethesda fans aren't going to nuke our website out from orbit. Yeah, yeah, I, I get it. It seems like a bad game. 
it seems like hey yeah. do you do you want fallout 4 but much more tedious and spread out <laughs> but it's like it's a little bit sci-fi and i feel like it's for people who may have invested in star citizen and are starting to get impatient and they're like yeah we can we can kind of make that i guess <laughs> but there's a there's a subsection of gamers that got a little um, a little heated about Starfield and not for the reasons that you or I would. No, these guys, namely this gentleman, rotund thumb man. Yes, the thumb man. Yeah, heel heel versus babyface is his name on YouTube. Mm. Or I believe this was originally posted to TikTok because the Twitter account Chuds of TikTok picked it up. But it is a very long rant about starfield and he's yelling getting red in the face because the game in part of the character creation screen has you specify what pronouns your character uses that's it that is all the representation that you get aside from you know picking your your assigned gender that you the player assign the character it's a very absurd thing to melt down like this about. And he goes on for, you know, several minutes. It's in your face. It's everywhere. Sorry, did you want to get immersed in our world? Yeah, well, guess what? Fucking pronouns. Fucking gender ambiguity. Fucking current day Californian shit. Because that's all we fucking know. Because we're boring. We're so fucking boring. People's brains are so fucking broken because from everything. So, so friend of the pod, Danny, I, I hung out with him for a little bit over the weekend. He was like, yeah, so I paid a little bit extra to play Starfield early access or whatever. So you could play it the weekend before. And he's like, wow, I, uh, I can't recommend it. And I'm like, really? Cause he's like, yeah, it's <laughs> like the first 12 hours are absolutely a fucking just slog and it doesn't value your time. And, um, it gets good, but it takes way too long. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is exactly why I'm not going to play this game because, uh, not because it has pronouns or you can, you can make your character, <laughs> ace or trans or or whatever it's just that like oh this seems like really bad game design and that like i almost feel like adding something like like selecting your pronouns as a bit of smoke screen so when you're when you're like i don't i don't even know what the fucking slog is but when you're going through it you're like not thinking about like oh but i got to choose my pronouns this game doesn't value this game doesn't value my time but values my (laughs) my sense of identity which which feels really cheap, but also feels like something Bethesda would do in the year of our yeah. Lord 2023. You know, throwing the LGBTQ community a, a little bit of red meat that Blizzard does every time there's a new gay Overwatch character. <laughs> it's like, please buy, you know, please buy cosmetics for our dog shit game. Here, here's a gay guy. Do you like do those, you like, right? Do you like this gay guy? He's a um a twink ninja. <laughs> Yeah, like I feel like uh, one of the more cynical things about Overwatch is how they have kind of gone back, like kind of retroactive, been like almost like J.K. Rowling it, like oh, but did you know this character is gay? Oh, the retconning. Everyone there is gay. actually yeah, there is there like, is yeah. a Jewish Overwatch character. His name is you know, you know it's like and it's like something you go no 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 I want to hear that yeah like, oh you can't say that one too loud uh, yeah when they did that whole like oh that we found out Tracer's gay in a comic it's like yeah but does that is your game any good? No? Still sucks? Okay. I had a lot of fun <laughs> playing Overwatch for a couple years, but... Uh, oh, sure. It 
got really not great at some point. It's not a good game. I'm just being honest here. It's just it's not a good game. I've played it so much. It's like Destiny 2. I've played it so much. I keep waiting for it to get good. Again. And it never has. Yeah. It never has. Well, I mean, Destiny 2 had like some really great moments, but now like I, I had emphasis on the had. It's it's a lot, you know. It's, it's been like two or three years, yeah. Um it, it, and I feel like that's being generous, but I follow some people on Twitter that still play Destiny from time to time and finding out that like these really cool like lore beats are like hidden in seasonal content that takes like three hours. Oh, yeah. You're like I, yeah. I, I liked it a lot better when this stuff was something you could unlock at your own pace, like with your friends and and stuff yeah. like that, rather than feeling like you had to rush through it. So games as a service is a, is a goddamn fucking cancer on everything. No questions asked there. I mean, you, you will get no argument from me. But anyway, Starfield, it's, it's a bad game, but not because it has pronouns. <laughs> right. I've read some, some articles that have also implied, like, have you, have you played Skyrim? Have you played Fallout 4? Okay, cool. Imagine that in space. And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Doesn't sound good. good. Yeah. I mean, I can go back and play Skyrim every five or six years and, and have a couple dozen hours of fun uh, because that game is just like really cozy in a way. But like, I, I also think it's still think, you know, and that game's over 10 years old now that it's a little sad that Skyrim came out with more development time, a bigger budget than New Vegas, but is actually systematically a much more limited and smaller game. It's it's sad because like this is these people have more money than God. They have all this, you know. To me, there's just like there's no excuse for this. I think a lot of this stuff it's a hierarchical situation. I don't think it's what the individual developers or programmers are doing. It's it's the person that's like the the person that says things like uh uh, actually, we have this uh, this being rented out for the next hour. It's that guy. That's the guy that's fucking everything up. It's no, it's Todd Howard saying there's 300 endings in Fallout Three. <laughs> He's the king of like overpromise, underdeliver. I mean, Jesus Christ. And Fallout Four, if you if you if you try really hard, you can find the good game. <laughs> I you know I enjoyed my time with Fallout Four, but I you know I don't want to go back to it. I have no desire whatsoever to boot that one up again i went back to it about gosh three or four years ago and um i think the only thing really worthwhile about it is the far harbor dlc oh see i didn't even pay for that so yeah that doesn't i haven't even experienced it it's actually really good and unfortunately you kind of have to play uh, some parts of a very bad game to get to it Eesh. that's yeah that's my understanding about starfield too people saying it, it takes 12 hours to get good i'm like i don't have that kind of time i could beat armored core again in that time frame. exactly exactly <laughs> it's ridiculous so uh, brian it's time for the crypto scam of the week you're listening to 48 minutes of dogs barking the podcast and now it's time for the crypto scam of the week oh baby we got a twofer once again yeah Nema Capital. Are you familiar with Nema Cap? I am. So Nema Capital had invested in a DeFi cross-chain bridge called Synapse. This VC company pulled the funding, essentially. Was Crypto on Twitter. Even VCs are rugging now. Nema Capital dumped $9 million of the SIN uh, token, or the coin, and removed all stablecoin liquidity eight months before the agreed Gov proposal 
their site went offline, their Twitter is protected. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, basically using the DAO as exit liquidity. Not good, folks. They're accusing of, of rug pulling. Right, yeah. 9 million sin comes out to about 3.7 million. They removed the liquidity and essentially collapsed the bridge. In April, they had entered into a deal to lock $40 million of liquidity in the project in exchange for the tokens. And then they agreed, hey, don't sell these tokens for a year. Well, they dumped them early, took their website offline, and just disappeared. Absolutely ridiculous. Amazing. Well, and, and you know, Nima Capital, I have heard the name, but like this, this seems like super shady even by venture capital standards. Because, you know, like you'd hear about stuff from like Crunchbase would talk about them every once in a while. Yeah, they're, they're listed as like having multiple investments in like Tea House and Flow and, and Eversify and Morpho Labs, like some of these pretty well known financing that they provided. Yeah. And this goes back to January of last year. So like like they're a, they're a known entity. I mean, they were lead investor for Flow. And that was the NFT ecosystem which was centered around the the roll-up uh, token. Uh, to just go nuclear and <laughs> just take 4 million dollars and run. It's weird. You don't expect that because, you know, VCs, venture capitalists, they exist to make their money back. And that's 10% of their money back. So I, that's odd to me. Yeah. Just weird. what the fuck? Isn't, isn't crypto fun? And then there's like, I mean, <laughs> we could we could have talked about four or five different projects were like exploited or honeypotted over like last just couple days. But, oh, yeah. But one that really caught my eye at the last minute was uh, BoostCoin. Now I I was not as well read on this one like I was for for Sin and Nima. What what was the deal with Boostcoin? Like I know it was like a hyped token that they were going to put out, but what what's what was the like deal with it? Boostcoin was this ultra mega hype project and apparently the devs behind it had already rugged Boost once before. <laughs> And so they got him again. <laughs> and apparently the same devs have done this multiple times across different projects, but they were like, oh, we're uh, going to relaunch Boost and we're going to make it better than ever. So they they hired a bunch of Twitter crypto people to shill it. Apparently um, some of those people didn't get paid. Oh, no. They didn't even pay the shills. They had a situation where uh, your buy tax for the first 10 minutes of launch was 30%, 10 to 20, 25%, 20 to 30, 20%, and so on. And then you get the, after an hour, 0% buy tax. Um, Sell tax, 0 to 30 minutes, 30%. That went out to three hours, over three hours before you got a 0% sell tax, which is a a technique I've seen used before by a guy on BSC, the Binance chain, uh, he he went by the name Crackman. <laughs> Would have all of these projects that had like things like where uh, there was one called Freeze, where he would disable buys and enable buys and sells at like a certain interval of time. Of course, what happens is that like people kind of he kind of lets people play it real easy, and then when 
people, you know, oh, they've they've tripled or quadrupled quadrupled their 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 what the money they're playing with, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden everyone buys the gangs. They think it's gonna pop up another time. Then he just takes liquidity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Reddit had called this two years ago. Yeah, basically saying that like yeah, thirteen percent slippage is a joke scam. That's the first comment under uh, Boost Coin officials post there. <laughs> this these casino tokens sometimes people call them this isn't anything new but just the the brazenness of it um is really insane so um they launched the token it was super hyped it was all this moon boy talk you know uh such and such million dollar you know market cap is fud we're going to billions you know that kind of shit the token launches and immediately sales are disabled so um, <laughs> it just goes oh. up in a straight line, basically. Once people realize they've been honeypotted, the buys aren't coming in anymore. So right. if you like, were look at like an hourly chart, you kind of see it just plateau. And then the team enabled buys, obviously didn't tell anyone, and just sold. And uh, if you go look at the chart... Even on the official BoostCoin uh, Reddit, it says right at the top about community scam. Pasquale is a scammer. <laughs> so one of the mods there must have gotten in there and just said, "You know what? Screw this. Warn everyone." Right. Okay. Here I finally found the the official. Oh gosh, the twelve hour is really it's a sad looking chart. The thirty minute is also. Um, so the first candle in the thirty minute, one point zero five million dollars of volume. On the first thirty-minute candle, so that pumped on the first thirty-minute candle pumped about almost eleven hundred percent. So that almost did eleven x. Sale volume was two point four one two million on the next thirty-minute candle. <laughs> had a nice little dead cat bounce, <laughs> and then has just cratered out since then. But um, right now, it's sitting at a three point two five million dollar market cap. With uh, 208k uh, liquidity, but it's locked. <laughs> but basically, what it was how I made to understand it is that a bunch of insiders and people on the team had their own freshly flushed out wallets and like pre bought oh, or either yeah. had the deployer uh, fund those wallets when they enabled cells. They just fucking they drained it all. I haven't seen a project like this in a couple years specifically, like where it's super fucking hyped, all the main fucking crypto Twitter shillers are on it and have it just absolutely be a goddamn shit show from the jump. And it's such an obvious scam. And you can see there's some people that are trying to play it to their advantage and maybe a couple people did okay, but I think most people got fucking wrecked. The last one I can think of was, was gosh, 2021, which was something called Ghost Mixer, which was supposed to be like Tornado Cash, but on BSC chain. And it was a similar situation, like just everyone, all the fucking crypto influencers on social media fucking shilling the fuck out of it. And I think the project was dead in 30 minutes. And this was back when people still did things like like actually programmed like a nice looking website, had like a, a fake white paper and all that for their scams. I think now people just 
people just fucking do it now. Like, I don't even think, I don't even know if Boost had, like, a website. They did have an official website, boostco.in, which is very much a Wix kind of build your own. And they have a white paper, but, I mean, who the fuck reads these things? These, You know, it's like 14 pages. And no one's going to read that. I mean, and even the end, it doesn't even matter what they have in the white paper because they'll just do whatever they want anyway. That's how these things really yeah. fuck people over. It's just like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's in our white paper. And they don't fucking, you know, that doesn't matter. The official BoostCoin uh, Twitter, by the way. Let me look up the last post here. Biggest comeback in history is coming. Be early. They're going to do it again. <laughs> Yeah, here it is. Chart is primed as this price is a true blessing with the mishaps from launch. Be early. Oh, they're going to triple dip. They're going to triple dip. Eight hours ago, new partnership to be announced. Excited for the future. It's never going to stop with these guys. Amazing. Mm. It's just, Mm. it's just, and so many people, so many people were were calling it like, this is going to rug, like this is going to be bullshit. And lo and behold, this is exactly yeah, what shocking was. exactly no one. Yeah, that's the thing. Oh yeah, I, I, I wasn't I, I wasn't surprised. I don't think anyone was surprised that it was shit. All right, Brian, the main topic for this week is something that I had a bit of a hard time even remembering, but now that I did, oh, takes me back. The sect of Homokasu, Brian. The sect of Homokasu. Are you familiar with this? Do you know what this is? Not uh not at all. Okay. The Finnish translation is literally gay gas. <laughs> a, f- a fictional poisonous substance that will turn you gay. <laughs> so <laughs> it started in Usenet groups in Finland, this, this idea, this homokasu. I'm so glad uh, Drew Toothpaste isn't the guest on this. The gay, yeah, because the gay gas. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's, it's just, uh, it's funny because it's gay and uh, yeah. It's not so much that, it was the idea that people from Helsinki, Copenhagen, and Los Angeles reported that the Roman Catholic Church was turning people gay to do mind control. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) That's the funny part. It's not so much the gay gas, which, you know... May or may not exist, but the idea that the the, ch- the church was was uh, involved in this, it was a widespread in joke among Finnish speaking uh, Usenet people. This site named itself after this kind of urban legend from Finnish Usenet groups. So already deep cuts happening, right? Yeah. So they're spreading the word about this. The FAQ on the site is these pages were meant to reveal the truth. The truth that will shock the world when unfolded. The price for disclosure is great, but the consequence of the alternative is even greater. Homokasu is Finnish for gay gas. <laughs> what is the site really? It's a site by sillies containing creative and weird stuff. The site has a deeper meaning which may be revealed in the future. This is 2003 and we still, er, 2023. <laughs> and we still haven't figured out what that is. Everyone was going by pseudonyms, you know, they, they remained anonymous to, quote, makes us feel happy and shiny, yeah? Uh, <laughs> are you against gay people? Here we go. Gays are cute, especially the old ones. You are somewhat ignorant if you learn anything from the following. The idea behind the name homokasu is not homosexuality, it's the gas. 
Sure, it could be Republican gas, but the gay gas has a certain shock value and a mythical basis. The FAQ continues, mythical basis of the gay gas? Read the report, and it links to this page, which is an extremely long diatribe about one man's experience becoming gay because of this gas. (laughs) (laughs) The report ends, before opponents of the Roman church were called heretics and witches and burned at the stake. Now they are called mentally ill, troublemakers, or communists, and, if possible, are kept in institutions. The innermost essence and nature of the Catholic Church has not changed substantially since the Dark Ages, even though its PR work tries to give it such an image. Um, Essentially, putting the blame on his friend's murder on the Catholic Church because the they used the gay gas on him. It's it's unhinged. Uh, <laughs> if you have the patience to to read the whole translated document, it is truly, truly bizarre. But the site itself has almost nothing to do with any of that. That's just set dressing for the goofy shit we talked about when we were talking about the uh, Burning Man about how you know the internet used to be just for goofy shit and fucking the people. Well, this site is all about the goofy shit. Here's one of our, our favorite parts of the site. At least it was for me. It was the Kill Everyone Project. <laughs> <laughs> a user named Gasmaster <laughs> created a Flash game called the Kill Everyone Project. And the idea is it was an idle clicker game. You click, every time you click, one person on Earth dies, right? But because humans reproduce, and the game put their average as three lives per second, players continued trying for a very long time. It actually took players six years, April 2007. The project was finally completed. The player with the most finished kills was Tyreel with 600 million kills, although, and this article is, is clever enough to note, it is likely... That he cheated. <laughs> he uh, his genocide was uh, it's it's tool assisted genocide. <laughs> Next up here, an awesome game's done quick. He's going to do uh, we're going to do this one blindfolded here. Uh, yeah, as I'm going through um, uh, Poland here, we can uh, we can we can do some uh, some donations. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and of course the game. Didn't have much of an ending. It literally just had a screen saying, Hooray, project complete. (laughs) (laughs) Six years! Uh, Six years of people clicking on the Kill Everyone project. Yeah, this article here from uh, qntm.org. April 2007, it came to my attention that it was nearly completed. China, the most populous country, was down to Henan, its most populous province. I was up to 910,000 kills by now, so I returned to put in the final 90,000 in a single day, reaching my promised million on April of 2007. Predictions vary, but the final day was eventually fixed is April 27, 2007, day 2,179. I was among 100 people who tried to log in on the final evening. The lag was abominable. You were lucky to get a kill button, let alone chat. It was bad. It slowed down killing and dragged out the ending for hours nobody as far as i know saw the final moment happen with their own eyes 
Records of the event are extremely sketchy. But what we did get to the end, the point at which we were working toward for nearly six years. What happened? What was our anticipated prize going to be? Bonus country. (laughs) (laughs) An extra country of 131 million people to kill. That was it. Gasmaster, the owner of the website, could not come up with anything better than that. It was not until some days later that the hooray project completed message appeared on the TKEP front page. For all intents and purposes, it appeared he had hurriedly thrown something at the last minute to keep us occupied, having had six years to prepare. Calling it anticlimactic is like calling Graham's number fairly large. <laughs> what what amazing amazing little bit of internet bullshit i mean just absolutely ridiculous yeah it <laughs> and here it is the top Phenomenal. guy terriel had nearly 600 million kills he cheated i'm told and presumably is still cheating several other people ranked in the hundreds of millions the level of awfulness that must be necessary in the lives of such people to have them hide away from reality and spend so many hours on an inane task like this horrifies and sickens me. Still, mission accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> so the sect of Homokasu had a lot of other things going for it, Brian. Mm-hmm. Right after the United States pulled out the global terror advisory system, you remember this, the color-coded system where we're always in either orange or yellow? Yeah. Never got, never got to red. But yeah, it was, it was like, oh, the, the danger of terrorism today is, uh, is medium. Well, they decided to have fun with that of their own and called it the Global Stupidity Advisory System. <laughs> Every day you could check in and at low condition, you know, um, all the way up to severe. Uh, what you can do to help, of course, that would then, uh, you'd, you'd put the code on your website, you could attach it. This was classic stuff in early web, uh, putting a little counter like this on your website. It was a hoot, but it was still kind of silly. That one was great. I love to see some of their just goofy concepts. Like they had the, I I can't even say this properly. You know what Germatrea is? Uh, Divining meaning through numbers and the numbers of letters that represent words and all that. Okay, yeah. So they had the Gematriculator. This uses Gematreya on a website and tells you how evil it is. <laughs> so it'll tell you like with a percentage, like what percent good or what percent evil your website is. Just another silly thing. Um, they also had a, a project called the 80s, 80s Zer. It has come to our attention that some websites try to achieve modern look. They may try, but the 80s Zer is here. So you put in the website that you want to see done in a 1980s fashion, and they bring it to you. It doesn't really work because right now it's the it's only archived on the Wayback Machine, and the Wayback Machine kind of breaks certain stuff. So it, it doesn't quite look the way it's supposed to, but it's still fun. If you go to web.archive.org, search up homokasu.org, that's H-O-M-O-K-A-A-S-U.org, you can kind of play with that. See what it looks like. It's goofy stuff. They even have a single page there. It's Triple X Grandma's Birthday Party. <laughs> a three-day trial is only two ninety-five. <laughs> Non-stop pastry fornication. <laughs> this is a uh, obscene action. Grandma and hundreds of great presents. 
insane. Uh, featuring 1,000 plus new exclusive photos of grandma and guests and a weekly live chat with grandma, grandma's party tips. So uh, making fun of, of websites that did porno, just, just what a, what a fun, fantastic little website. The Harvard Crimson even got into the action writing about this website, but specifically only about one aspect of the site. It was called the Rasturbator. Now, this one, many people, many more people will have heard of, the Rasturbator, because what it did was it took any JPEG, or I believe they supported GIFs as well, it took any image and turned it into a printable poster, essentially. You could take a small image and make it, blow it up to this huge size by rasterizing the image, a very common printing technique. But they enabled you to do it with anything. And then you'd be able to print it out. You get a you know, a PDF and you print it out like, and then stick all the pages to, together and there's your big rasturbated image. Here's the quote from the, again, from the Harvard Crimson. Rasturbating your own pictures can be fun, but it's nothing compared to a good rasturbation of your favorite celebrity athlete or Harvard president. In place of the conventional adoration we give President Summers, the rasturbator offers a whole new way to glorify Larry digitally and on your wall download his mug from the official website and rasturbate at will charlie mcnamara was initially put off by the larry rasturbation quote it looks something like i would hide under my mattress and show only to my closest friends this is definitely a decor idea ready to hit the big time and as mcnamara points out 95 percent of people probably rasturbate the other five percent deny it so getting a good jack-off joke in the Harvard Crimson, good on yeah. these guys. <laughs> who who doesn't love it? And then one last thing that, that Homokasu gave to the world was the automatic IT company profile generator. <laughs> the headline, have you accidentally started an IT company while drunk? Are you stuck with it? Investors are repulsed by the lack of image. That's nothing to be ashamed of. It can happen to anyone. The IT company can be a real nuisance, though. Get rid of it. Enter the automatic IT company profile creator. Here's the one that it just created for me. We will deliver and need know-how in these fields. Protocol is delivered dynamically from our own IT without problems concerning advanced growth. Yeah, it generates about 200 words of word salad that uh, we will assist channel in integrating the empowerment and high solution to deliver today's integral service. We will provide and develop channel in these fields. We will assist HTML in producing the cellular and permanent IT to consult today's high IT. Our HTML is generated from environment and advanced resource. We seek to create the high-tech Java browser. Just absolute nonsense. And, you, <laughs> and, that's, and you can go and recreate one anytime you need to. Um, just all sorts of goofy little fun things. I always like a website that has, you know, it's a Swiss Army knife of ridiculousness. And I think the gay gas website is, is one... Because, you know, you got to figure if, if they're going off of Finnish Usenet group slang and this idea that there's a, you know, there's a gay gas that the government's going to use to control your mind, that, like, they have a sense of humor. And these are obviously people that are savvy enough in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s to make a website and host all these experiments. That, to me, is the kind of the spirit of the early web. And that's why I like going back to sites like this one. Yeah, it's uh, it's playful. It's weird. Uh, yeah, there's obviously like a a very fine tipped sense of humor at play here, which I appreciate. 
it's a very web 1.0 web design which yes 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 iframes everywhere yeah <laughs> but, image know, maps for your navigation yeah it's it's everything but it has a charm i'm not going to deny that you know you can't really go back to something like a style project but i can see maybe something like this kind of coming around again i mean weirder things have happened not likely but possible is where i'm kind of going with that you know what i mean like imagine linux loving sluts on twitter <laughs> I imagine that pretty much daily, so I don't know. Ah, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it time. It is that time, Brian. It's time. Shock.jpg. And now the moment you've all been waiting for. Shock.jpg. This one comes to us. God, I remember where I saw this at first, but yeah, it is a video file. It begins in true fakeout fashion. With a with a guy kind of goofing, playing with his mustache, and then it cuts to... <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's 14 seconds long. And, and uh, <laughs> it definitely... It's, you know, we talk about shock uh, images. Yeah. And, uh, it's just like a, like a Turkish uncle playing with, like, his giant bristle broom mustache and then it turns into like one of those guys that has uh permanently disfigured his penis by injecting a large amount of the the synthol like the fake muscle stuff yeah uh, it's the guy who calls himself big eddie uh swinging it around yeah this is uh <laughs> it's disheartening <laughs> yeah user uh the red bacon hair created this one in the early 2000s it's been kind of popping up every once in a while. Someone will send it to a Twitch streamer. Uh, like, check out this funny video. <laughs> and three seconds later, there's just uh, this guy with a gigantic dong. Uh, Crazy guy with mustache, a.k.a. Video 20. Video 20. Yeah, that's that's all that, that it's titled. Or it's also known as BigEddie.mp4. <laughs> Amazing. And so you may see it as as Big Eddie. That one popped up for me. I think it was a Discord link that I clicked on. <laughs> it's so it was either that or it was uh, on Fiat or something where it's just like, what the fuck is that? Oh, shit. God damn it. Because you think, oh, it's a, a goofy video about a, a guy with a mustache. And then uh, here comes this. I thought it was CG. I thought this guy wasn't like real, but apparently. It's it's, uh, it's um uh, a failed test screening of uh, Wolverine from the original X-Men movie. <laughs> they couldn't quite get the swing and dong right on They couldn't. Episode. No, they saw they saw the, the animated gif mm-hmm. of Wolverine with the giant penis behind the sheet. Right. And they said, we gotta we gotta make this happen. Brian Singer was dedicated to making it happen. He was very he was also <laughs> allegedly very dedicated to other things involving penises, but Right, that's the joke I was making. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> it was very. I don't know, I don't know why I sound like Bane. They're like, yes, Brian Singer. It's, it's oh, yes. <laughs> the penis is. There's really not much else to say about that one. It's a really nice one to bait and switch people because it's not all that gross. It's just a guy with a dick out. But uh, Yeah, I'll, I'll see how my boss likes it tomorrow. <laughs> this is for getting me hey, sick, hey, motherfucker. Hey, hey, you. Um, Hey, you see this new barbecue sauce that Pappy's is coming out with? Yeah, check this out. This promo video is it's yeah, so it's Big unreal. Eddie. Yeah. The Big Eddie sauce. 
No. See, now I have to make that as like a Photoshop thing. I gotta, I gotta get the big Eddie sauce. Yeah, look up the video online. It's great. Yeah, it's great. Show it to everyone <laughs> at the Rotary Club. <laughs> yeah. And and what's funny is like that video, you would expect it to like live somewhere, like it would have a hosting site other than Cat Moe, because Cat Moe is just a, a a dump, a repository of just stuff. Like Tindeck or something or Right. Imager. You'd think it would Tindeck Imager, yeah, that's basically what Catbox is. And then but I was thinking like, oh, you know, somebody's gonna host this somewhere or it's gonna be up on Vimeo or it's gonna happen. But no, not really. I mean, it's it's that old that like somebody's probably not gonna re upload it or anything like that so it definitely is still has a bit of a second life it's just like a link that you forward on to people and like like i got it through discord <laughs> so that's the new way you don't really have so all standalone the kids are doing sites it. and yeah tricking people with the with discord links now so i think we might be able to get a bit of a a goatsy comeback if we can if we can get people to to shield their discord links a little better discord c i don't know is that a thing does that work is that you hear about this? Right? Yeah, yeah, you know, that, that kind of works. I'll take it. Now that we've talked about a giant swinging dick, it's time for uh, everyone's favorite part of the show, of course. It's the breath mint. It's time for your mom's favorite part of the show. It's time for the breath mint. Oh, oh yeah. baby. Yeah. Oh, baby. So, what do you got this week, Brian? We do want to talk about blowback last week. I know that. We do. We want to talk about blowback, but first, you know, um, we should keep people updated on uh, the the thing that my girlfriend and I are, are torturing ourselves with, which is watching all of the Saw movies. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. How far are you now? Uh, Saw 4. Okay. What did you think of Saw 4? I was so confused. <laughs> like, it, I think I think one of the, the movie's biggest flaws is that you have two male leads that you introduce super quick and don't give enough time to differ- differentiate them. Yes, that's what I'm saying. That's, it, it happened to me. And I'm like, who's this, who's this guy in the chair that's bound? You know I mean, like, I just could, like, there's not enough time given to develop things. They're trying to do the whole, like, oh, this is happening at the same time as other things. And well, Yeah, because um, it picks up, like, right after Detective Carey dies in 3. And well, boom! Here's here's Riggs and here's Riggs and Hoffman. Right. Well, well. What's even better is it starts out with the FBI. I think it's the FBI guy. I can't remember. I, see again. I don't know who's like the detective in the FD, FBI stooge. <laughs> but yeah. one of them is is like looking over. Oh, Strom and Perez. Uh, those are the two FBI guys. Uh, oh yeah, but the the whole like autopsy scene um, at the very beginning uh, of the movie. I, I I will say that some of the practical effects there were actually really well done, but. You know, these movies are cheesy and they're not they're not anywhere as well written as they sometimes should be, even just for basic competency. And uh the whole entire time, like every single time they crack something, I'm like, is there is there a little mini cassette there? And then like you mm-hmm. know, they go the way the heart, is there a mini cassette in there? My girlfriend's just kinda like rolling her eyes and, and eventually you know they 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 go through the stomach contents and there's a, a mini cassette dipped in wax that he swallowed. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's just a mess of a movie. Mm-hmm. The weird, like, episode two transitions. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're trying to show off a little bit. Lee Whannell was really practicing, like, oh, this this would look cool. And, and, and like, no, not really, actually. It, it's just really, it's when, you're, when your movie is already pretty much incoherent. Yeah. I mean, there were some 
good stuff, but like a lot of it was also bad. I mean, watching Di Wahlberg get his uh, his head crushed in by two giant chunks of ice. Um, yeah, that was pretty satisfying. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, Detective Matthews did make it out of three, so or out of the end of two. Excuse me. Well, he's he's technically in three as well, so he made it out of both of them. Yeah, um, he does not. He does not make it out of four though. Yeah, like three was rough, but this was something else. There's some moments where you can see some light, and you're like, "Oh, this could have been really fucking cool." Mm-hmm. And instead, it's just kind of okay. And like, the, like just the things like when the police officer goes to like the rundown school and finds the like abusive teacher and like I guess his wife. See, none of this yeah. stuff's ever really like presented in a way that f- that flows well. And they've got like arrows stuck through yeah. each other, but like, but there's things where like one arrow, how it's going through the wife is like in a non lethal area, but how it's angled, it's going through the husband in a way that if you remove it, it would cause a lot of blood loss or something. But it's right. never really presented in a way that, that, that's compelling. It makes you understand what's at stake. I'm reading the plot synopsis now because it's been, it, you know, it hasn't been that long since I've seen it, but four just kind of slid off me because yeah, you're right. There, a lot of it is inconsequential in the larger scheme of things. You do find out that it kind of is tangentially related to Kramer because his ex-wife had a miscarriage. Right. And the, some of these people were, were responsible, I think like, just, it, <laughs> it's really just bizarre. The motivations are really weird. Some like the the cop the the cop being set up as um someone to uh be groomed as like another jigsaw. Like it's interesting yeah. and it has some moments, but um the idea of turning Hoffman was definitely the pivotal point because five and six hinge on Hoffman as a character, so you really had to give him somewhere to go. What a fucking weird movie. And another thing is that movie cost like ten million to make, and it did like one sixty. These are not expensive movies, and they make a lot of money because it it became almost like a, a Halloween tradition that a Saw movie would come out. Yeah, and for some reason this year they're doing September, so I, I think it's a bad decision. But because you know, if you're going to do a slasher, gross out horror movie, you got to put it in the spooky month. I mean, that's just my thought on the matter. But like. Come on, well, work yeah, with me I here. mean, it's a Dizzy releasing the fucking Haunted Mansion movie in the middle of summer. <laughs> uh, speaking of movies, I revisited one with my kids that I hadn't seen in a long time, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Holy cow. It mostly holds up. I was That's the part that I was surprised by, I think, the most, was that it mostly still has a lot of that uh, John Hughes charm. It's very silly. The, the character of Ferris is uh, kind of a, a prick to the point of which I don't really like him, but it's a charming little adventure through the streets of Chicago, and you can tell it's like a love letter to the city of Chicago. They really spent a lot of time there and, and, and made a lot of specific decisions about where they're going to go and all that. It's a silly, silly movie. It's really buoyed by two things, Alan Ruck as Cameron Fry and Jeffrey Jones as uh, Principal Rooney. And well, Jennifer Grey as well as the the right. beleaguered sister, the the lovely Charlie Sheen cameo. Also, you got to give it up to Edie Clurg, who is always a bright spot in any movie she's in. She practically made a name for herself based on this movie and like a few TV appearances alone. Like, 
the kooky lady who just says, you know, sometimes is a foul mouth. We love it. So it holds up a lot. I was, I was really surprised. I kind of thought, oh, well, there's going to be some, there's going to be some jokes that maybe don't land or something. But for the most part, I mean, I can think of maybe one or two riffs that didn't quite hit. Like, I think someone, you know, it's like, what are you, a queer? And like, aside from maybe one of those, there's really not a lot of, I mean, there's maybe like a blowjob joke that for a PG-13 movie these days might not make it, but... Yeah, <laughs> it's still, I mean, there's the whole running bit about throughout the movie, Ferris, of course, fakes being sick. And throughout the movie, the rumor mill starts, you know, my brother's cousin's friend's uh, sister's roommate's nephew says that he saw him at 31 Flavors last night. He looked really sick. And by the end of the movie, you know, Wrigley Field, they've got a big sign that says save Ferris, you know, so it's just <laughs> this it's very silly, but yeah, you gotta love the physical comedy in that, and, and especially that that final chase sequence where he's his sister sees him, and they're all driving home, and he's got to run through everyone's backyard to get there before she does. That's even as silly as it is. It's it's still like oh god, it's it's intense. I was really mm-hmm. surprised, I guess, but but just by you know because like John Hughes movies have a reputation, at least in this day and age, of being a little saccharine. You know, or maybe of just being like just an okay movie, you know, but I think this one kind of stands out. John Hughes is very hit or miss. Sometimes he'll do something that I absolutely love, like career opportunities with Frank Whaley and Jennifer Conley, where the guy, the guy's working at Target and the girl is like staying there after hours. And then suddenly these guys show up to rob the Target. I don't know why, but, you know, (laughs) it becomes a different movie. So I mean, he's got a big range of stuff. I mean, even Home Alone, you know. I know that's right, Chris, that, right. that's uh, he wrote Home Alone. Chris Columbus re- directed that, but uh, but still, it's it's a different kind of movie. He's like teen movies and all that. I don't really have a huge knowledge about, so I had to right. like, look it up. I'm like, oh, is that the John Hughes? Is that the same guy who did Heather's? I'm like, oh, that's not. No, but I I the guy who did Heather's was um, Michael Lehman who I forgot directed the terrible 2007 movie Flakes. Oh, God, yeah. I think that was the last thing he did, too, because he'd done um, Airheads and and uh, Hudson Hawk, which people shit all over, but I still thought it was kind of mm-hmm. funny. Jesus, Flakes. Yeah, fucking Flakes, which... <laughs> if you haven't seen it, it's a Zoe Deschanel movie... Uh, where it's supposed to be very indie twee and like she owns a New Orleans restaurant called Flakes where it's like Oh, they uh, serve nothing but cold cereal. That's yeah. the whole thing about the restaurant, is that they serve cold cereal. And it seems like it's a it's like either a, a authorized or unauthorized ripoff of New Orleans uh sweethearts Quintron and Miss Pussycat. Yeah. Because Zoe J. Chanel's uh Oh God! Character yeah. is Miss Pussy, Pussy Cats. Cats. Yeah, K A T Z. Oh wow! I don't remember that. Yeah. And there's there's a couple other things that that, that come off like uh, someone's either like ripping them off or pay, playing like a very un uh, favorable homage. And for 2007, you you know it, it, they were kind of a bigger deal then than they are kind of now. Um, yeah, it was weird. I think this was actually something we carried at the Blockbuster I worked at for whatever <laughs> oh, reason. I wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember renting it. The box office draw was $778. <laughs> wow. Couldn't even crack a thou. Uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's 
It's so bad. It's it's peak Zoe De Chanel. Her her bangs are. <laughs> and, yeah, can we get a look at the uh, the Zoe De Chanel bangs from the cover of Flake? Yeah, oh, yep, yep, they're right yeah. there. And I remember when she first when she got rid of her bangs, and I was like, oh wow, I. I have face blindness now. Feel like every other person exists. <laughs> Who is this? I'm sorry. You, it's oh, it's it's like the human giant, uh, Mary Kate Nash. <laughs> which, which I what I love about the Mary Kate Ashley Olsen human giant skit is that you can watch it on Facebook on like the official MTV page. Oh no! It's like it's still up there. Like you really can't find it on Twitter. You can't really find it on YouTube because uh, this skit has some really dark implications. It's funny as fuck, but I think everyone that's involved with it these days would rather not have it associated with. Them. Oh yeah, because isn't it Will Arnett? Will Arnett is the guy who. Yeah, actually, it's a it's a Hummer shell on a Prius. <laughs> it actually gets worse mileage. <laughs> Oh, Mary Kate, Mary Kate, uh, Mary Kate, uh, Will Arnett, how long have you guys been dating? Oh, we're not dating. I'm just babysitting her. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to babysit your pussy. <laughs> like, you know. I'm sure Will Arnett does not want that uh, spread around, but yeah, he's, uh, he's the voice inc- of Lego Batman after all. You know, he's. Uh, it is incredibly funny. Just just like, oh, McConaughey? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yeah. So so the basis of the skit is that this, uh, I think it's the guy's played by Aziz Ansari, isn't it? He's yeah, trying Aziz to get Ansari, into the- they're paparazzi, and they're trying to get into this club, but they can't get in. So Aziz Ansari puts on like a cardboard cutout of Mary Kate's face. And everyone's <laughs> just like, holy shit, Mary Kate. Because, they, yeah, they buy it right away. That, that yeah, this, uh, this- Guy is is Mary Kate, yeah, and yeah, Will Arnett is just sleazy and picks her up ostensibly, and yeah, it's just uh, yeah, he's I got I got let's go back to my hotel room. I got a blow, like it's <laughs> oh the lead in Flakes. By the way, I did not know this. The lead in Flakes went on to do three or four seasons of uh, the the sci-fi adaptation of the movie 12 monkeys he was the lead he played james he played the bruce willis role he played james cole uh, in, 12, really? in the 12 monkeys tv show the guy the guy who was the male lead in flakes i had to look that up because i'm like man that face i've seen that face before and that was it that was, it was it yeah was he flakes. was com- on comedy bang bang oh yeah he was in fear the walking dead okay He's been around, thankfully. Thankfully, Flakes didn't kill his career. Uh, he was in Westworld for a couple episodes. Uh, yep. Star Trek Picard. Oh, he was he was Pyro. He was Pyro in X-Men The Last Stand. Which, one of the worst X-Men movies. So, yeah, it's the reason why I wouldn't think uh, to remember him there. Oh, he was also in X2. So there's our, 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 our loop around back to Brian Singer. Brian Singer. Oh, man, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you want to talk about you want to talk about blowback? Let's do a little shout out to our good friends over there at Blowback. Yeah, so, some real crackerjack stuff there. Blowback, if you've never heard of it, is a podcast about all the different quagmires the United States has found itself in our forever war diaries, as it were. Uh, <laughs> the first season delves into, of course, Iraq. John Benjamin plays Saddam Hussein in the opening of, of season one. And boy, if you can, definitely go back and listen to the, the episodes that are available now of the first three seasons. But man, season season one in particular, they're fresh out the gate. It's these two guys who are producers and, and 
they're news hounds and they're able to kind of dig through old footage and kind of piece these bits of audio together that that weave a story. And they also, of course, they're on mic and they're telling the story, but they're going through what I would think was like the definitive history of the Iraq war in proper context, which is something that's sometimes missing from some of these shows. Yeah, it's just really impressive. That first season was just so impressive to me. Because it doesn't really focus on like George Bush or um, I mean he's in it, but yeah, he's in right. it. But it's 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 really the auxiliary players. You're talking a lot about Connelly Rice. You're talking a lot about a lot about Donald's Rumsfeld, Donald Rumsfeld. Um, some of the the people in Iraq who got kicked out during Saddam Hussein's reign. That all of a sudden were like, hey, hey, what's up? Like, you want to give me a little bit yeah. of CIA money? Like, just, <laughs> yeah, just- yeah, yeah. The one guy they kept bringing back on the on the news. I forget his name, but like. People, producers would keep calling him, be like, "Hey, can you come on and tell us about the situation there?" I don't think it was Ahmed Chalabi, but like it's there's it was a couple an Ahmed guys. Chalabi type of figure. Yeah, it was that guy who like yeah. knew enough, and he would he would keep coming back, and you'd see him on the news all the time. It was something else, and uh, yeah, the first season is great. I think contextually because it's so much of the reason why like life sucks. Is the Iraq War <laughs> like it's this thing that You're not wrong? That's the thing. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I graduated high school in two thousand four, so it was a year after the invasion, basically. And I remember like kids I went to high school with went to the service because they had no other opportunities. And I remember one guy who was like the funniest motherfucker I knew in high school. I remember. <sighs> He would talk about like doing burnouts and his brother's three thousand GT, and he knew he was full of shit, but it was funny to listen to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember uh, that guy. I remember. I remember in science class we had the fetal pig. Yeah, and he like scooped up the fetal pig and some paper towels, and he was like asking people like why his baby, why, why will my baby wake up? (laughs) And then, and then like he like he found out that like in the incision some of the organs were loose, so he like shook out an organ. He's like, oh no. Like everyone was terrified. Like this, the teacher came in and she was, "What are you doing?" And he's just like, "I just my baby's so cold, please." Please But he like went to Iraq. Yeah, and like was a guy that got stuck with like moving the money around. You know, like his I think still his Facebook profile page is him cradling what has to be at least a million dollars in his arms. But like that dude came back with a thousand yard stare. I remember seeing him at a house party in like 2006 and it was like, Hey, what's up, man? And he just, just, he just wanted to sit in the chair, listen to some Lil Wayne and like (sighs) not talk to anyone. Yeah. It was really, really unsettling, but like, that's a thing that has put such a, a, a black mark on so many things about modern life. We've destabilized a entire part of the world. We have, killed so many people we've ruined so many lives we have done so many things that can really yeah never be undone yeah like it will be a long time before these uh these actions the 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 ripple flattens out well i mean there's a reason why they call the show blowback is because these things did come back around to us from from gulf war one back to w bush's presidency and even now i mean we're still dealing with some of that stuff you know we're still a lot of vets like like your friend they're 
they're fucked. Not obviously not beyond repair. There obviously there's there's ways to help people and, and organizations that help them a lot, but it's become a lot harder to live for these people. It makes the world a less stable place. You know, uh, we can look at what we did in Iraq. We can look at what we did in Afghanistan. We can look at what we did in Libya. Saddam Hussein was not a great person. The Taliban were not great people. Yeah, no question there. We're not going to go on the record defending the Taliban. That's obviously not a thing. <laughs> but was Gaddafi a little bit based? Yeah, yeah. He was. He was a bit of a Chad. We're not. Gonna, but he wasn't like. He was also a bit of authoritarian himself. Even though if he was definitely right about some shit about American Empire, probably shouldn't have uh, taken credit for things that uh, terrorist actions that he didn't do. His country wasn't responsible for. Just to, to seem like he was a strong man because that kind of. Boom in the ass. Especially when Secretary of State Clinton got into office and yeah. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but you look at look at Libya now, and Libya is one of the most upsetting places in the world. Um, open air markets, uh, for slavery and things like that. And uh, you know, in I in, in Iraq we through our sanctions in the nineties and I mean, well shit. I mean fucking Clinton bombed Iraq in the mm-hmm. 90s just so like his wife would stop being mad at him <laughs> so hill dog i know and they even did you know if you remember the movie wag the dog they, they even yeah. like made light of that in popular entertainment there was a big best-selling book called primary colors about uh, not primary there's another one by the same guy who did primary colors it was basically the plot to wag the dog that that saying that Clinton did that to to appease his wife, essentially. Season one's Iraq. Season two is Cuba, which is pretty good. It's it's a it's a really dry listen. It is. Yeah. Because they sure. have to go on a lot of archival footage. And season three is about the Korean War, which is also really interesting, but incredibly dry as well. There's a lot of stuff in that season that I didn't know. Some stuff I did know, but I think it illuminates a lot of things that most people aren't aware of. So that's always really fascinating. That one, I think I would probably pick season three over season two if you had to go with one of the uh, the drier selections. Yeah, season three definitely had some banger episodes. I mean, they did have that episode, Train to Busan. That's a standout for me. Just, it's, you know, it's an almost an hour and a half because they just, they had to fit so much in there. But unlike some other history podcasts, you know, Blowback is a fascinating listen because of the skills of the people involved. That's Noah Colwyn and uh, Brandon James. Brandon yes. James, yes. Uh, season four, I think, is probably their best season since the first one. Because um, I think also the Afghanistan, our adventurism and the ways we <laughs> fucked up that, that, that country came to bias in the ass in so many ways. We enabled a bunch of radical, brutal religious fanatics to basically spread their hate and their their anger to other parts of the world. Right, and we've really let a uh, a fucking genie out of the goddamn lamp. You know, mm-hmm. we've really got the milk out of the cow. Well, what's fascinating about that particular operation? They refer to it as Operation Cyclone. It was a fourteen, thirteen year. Uh, uh, funding of the Mujahideen to keep Russia out. That was the whole idea. The whole idea was like, we're going to prevent the USSR from spreading their ideals to this country. 
So it was like a weird little proxy war that we were, you know, the CIA was involved in. It was all sorts of sketchy. Fucking Charlie Wilson. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's where, you know, uh, a young CIA asset by the name of Osama bin Laden was trained and armed. You know, so that's fun. Uh- <laughs> a, bunch of other, you know, a bunch of other fucking ruffians. But, yeah, it, the United States was so aghast of the idea of Russia modernizing a country uh, that they decided to destabilize a whole entire region. Like Afghanistan is, is, is rough fucking country. It's fucking tribal. It's mountainous. I think even the Russians at, at their best were, were foolish to even try and, and fix or help out in that country just because it's such a huge fucking project. You've got so many different types of people, so many different tribal elements that they 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 only really get along to fuck over people like the Americans and the Russians. <laughs> like, well, and, and I think, and I I, I hope this is going to come into focus with future uh, blowback episodes. Is that the U.S. wasn't the only foreign country involved in supporting the Mujahideen? You got to remember the yeah, British Pakistan. were there too. Uh, well, I that, mean the whole the whole entire uh, series they dropped it all at once. Uh, yeah, that's right. You, you as a poor cell. No, it's just uh, I, I look. I put a lot of money into Patreon every month, and this was like an additional thing on top of that. I'm probably gonna do that. It's just it hasn't happened yet. But you're right. It's it's a one time fee. It's twenty five bucks. You get all the episodes. I, I get it. I, I don't don't shame me for my poor financial decisions. But uh, <laughs> you're right. I I did uh, I did say oh I don't know what about paying for all that. But I, yeah, you probably should. It's a, it's worth the. Money. Yeah, no, it's it's exceptional. It's front to back, really. It's both entertaining and, and informative, and really highlights so many things that we did in the seventies and eighties that came back around the bias and the ass. Because not only did we topple a weak but effective leftist government in Afghanistan in the seventies. We gave a lot of money to people in the Middle East that were like, yeah, yeah, keep giving us the money. And then, you know, we'll keep funding, you know, radical madrasas and, and right. stuff that, again, stuff that all these chickens come back to roost. There's just so many little little tidbits of like, you know, yeah, we're giving all this money to Afghanistan. We're giving all this money to Pakistan. We're giving all this money to Saudi Arabia. And they're kind of going around our backs and, and fucking us. Yeah. We're getting played. Yeah, there's there's no heroes in this story. Wasn't there a movie called Charlie Wilson's War based on a yeah. book? Yeah, <laughs> like it I mean, Charlie off. Wilson is a is a is a motherfucker. Well, he wasn't the only one though. I think that's sure. something that needs to be. You there, know, there's quite a few of them, but there's no there's no heroes. There's no really no good guys in this story. The only person that seems like he might actually be a good person is the one premier of the USSR who understands the grave situation that that's going on in Afghanistan immediately gets like kidney disease and dies, <laughs> you know, like the one guy who, who, who it's, who's portrayed yeah. in the narrative is like, this is the guy that could figure it out. But unfortunately he dies. It's a colorful cast of characters. Like you said, I mean, I mean, it started during Carter's presidency essentially uh, because Pakistan had a nuclear program and all like just there's just so much, so many moving parts to it, and that is a credit I do have to give to to Noah and Brendan that they are able to make sense of it in a way that you, as the average podcast listener, can follow. Because 
I was, you know, barely of sentient age during, you know, the 80s. And, you know, I knew nothing about it in my teenage years. In 92 or so, when, when the Soviets you know, finally left, this is history, but it's new history to me. And, and even so, so many characters, so many people to, to kind of keep straight. And these guys are exceptionally talented at presenting that information in a way that's engaging. And that's, that is a big thing about blowback in general that I find uh, really worthwhile for most, for most listeners. Most certainly, most certainly. Yeah, um, go fucking listen to it, please. Yeah, highly recommended. Well, this is about the time of the show where we uh, tell you where to find us online. Brian, you want to kick us off this week? Oh, yeah, if you want to send me death threats or say my haircut looks bad, you can go to Ishotgdbor, I-S-H-O-T-G-U-I-D-B-O-R-D, Sky Blue, Instagram, and Twitter. Not going to call it X. Nope. Nope. But if you want to check out my photography, my portfolio site is assholemusicphotographer.com. And if you want to check out foes and words, that's a hey. musicphotographer.com. As of this recording, my AJJ photos and write up are not live on the Arts STL, oh, unfortunately. No. Well, I, I mean, I kind of rushed through it to get done this past Saturday, but also forgot that. Um, Everything fucking happened as far as like music and things right. actually happening in St. Louis that weekend. So like Offspring were, mm. and Luke Bryan, um, the <laughs> Evolution Festival where two boomers cynically put together a music festival where uh, they bet right that people would come in droves to hear the Black Keys play their favorite minivan commercial songs. <laughs> Hey, Ice Cube was there. Don't don't discount the drawing power of Ice okay, Cube. So okay, so guys that also read uh, Behold a Pale Horse. <laughs> that is a very specific poll, but yes, you're right too. Yes, yes, the same hey, people. Hey, we, we've got a hotel population in St. Louis. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad to see I'm glad to see the uh, guys that call women females had representation at the festival. Absolutely. Driving driving their girlfriend's Dodge Charger. To- <laughs> The tenting, it's starting to bubble up off the mm-hmm, back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've all been there. Yeah. I don't, I, I wouldn't drive a Dodge. But anyways. Um, <laughs> friend of mine named Joe, We had a, the, he had a, a Dodge Dynasty that we took the D and the Y off of the, the little uh, plate in the back there. So it was just the nasty. And so, <laughs> and so we would drive the nasty around. And yeah, it had the same the same problem with the ceiling. It just, the ceiling was coming down. Um, so we've been oh, there. Was, I've been there. Uh, it's so gross. Yeah. When like <laughs> the, the fabric starts to, uh, or the, the, the fake rag top. Cause it's, you know, it's a, it's an, it's a sedan. It's not actually a convertible. It has the fake little rag top part. It's part that's oh, like yeah. leather starts to peel up. Yeah. That's why it kids, was called. These, kids the these days will never know. will never mm-hmm. know the joy of a beat to shit. Like Dodge LeBaron. Or Chrysler LeBrayer. Like oh, mine, mine will. Mine will. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Their first car is going to be the worst piece of shit I can find. It's going to be a fucking uh, Chevy Beretta. It's going to be like an 83 Mazda 323 that barely runs. No, they're going to... It's it's character building. Trust me. Uh, no, 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 no. What you got to do is you got to get a 1993 Ford Escort, four-door, red. It's just one of the worst cars ever made. Anyways, the AJJ stuff hopefully will be up by the time this one goes live. 
if not, you can go there and check out some photos from uh, the Evolution Festival. There's actually some really nice stuff up there. Um, some really nice photos of Luke Bryan. I think that's who that is. Let me double check. I was going to say, I, I, I don't even know. I'm not that up on like modern country people. The editor-in-chief put out an APB because the person originally was going to cover it had a family emergency. And I lost out on it because I had to Google, is Luke Bryan racist? Because I have to do that now with every guy. Every guy who... who Every musician where it's like where they're presented as like their first their first and last name like it's nothing it's just more than it's just Luke Bryan like it's not Luke Bryan and the and the and the country whips or something like that which would also sound problematic I don't yeah. know I was just pulling out something out of my ass here but I'm like I just have to Google I was like is that guy racist like this right. guy make sure like yeah look in the Wikipedia article and see if there's anything under controversies <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. what it is because I really don't want to waste my time no he, apparently he's besties with Blake Sheldon and all that I didn't no, I don't know anything about this guy. It's I don't just... know. I don't know either. But uh, he, I mean, he was at Holly Casino Amphitheater. He was over at River, excuse me, Riverport. Some other guy I've never heard of playing like fucking Enterprise. It's fucking wild. And yeah. Enterprise is the fucking hockey arena for the folks that don't know. Oh, that's right. They changed names again. That's right. Yeah. I had almost yeah, forgotten it's fucking, that. Yeah. It's fucking wild. Yeah. Um, white people music's fucking wild to me because I got uh this is just a quick aside. Had a press agent reach, reach out to me, ask me to photograph one of their, one of the people they represent. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Who is it? Someone I've never heard of on tour with Gaslight Anthem. And they're performing at the factory, which is, you know, big fancy 3200. Yeah. yeah Chesterfield. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? I don't mean necessarily me. I'm just like, who is this? Right. But they're on tour on this tour. And I go look up on their Spotify. Like they're, First, their number one song on Spotify, their most listened to song, almost has 200 million listens. And I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? I'm like going to like my coworkers who like, if anyone here knows who this guy is, it'd have to be you. And they're like, who the fuck is that? And I'm like, look at his Spotify. And they're like, how, how can so many people listen to this if no one knows who he is? Right. That's such a, it, it, and it happens more and more. Like you were talking about Melly Martinez. I asked my 13 year old daughter about it. She goes, oh yeah, I know that. Or uh, Corey, Corey Mariano. I mean, all these people who should be household names based on the number of plays, but like, no, not really. It's it's very weird how how we're niched out. Yeah, anyway, it's, you can uh, you can find me online uh, <laughs> talk about country music, video crime, v i d e o c r i m e, on most social media platforms. That includes Blue Sky, Twitter, etc. You can find me also at Instagram and TikTok as Laser Goose CEO. That's an S in there. There's no Z in laser. Please stop doing that. I find it so weird. And you can find the show, 4-8-MinutesDogsBarking.com. Send us an email, Jason at 4-8-MinutesDogsBarking.com. Brian with a Y at 4-8-MinutesDogsBarking.com. Support the show, Patreon.com slash 4-8-MinutesOfDogs. That is also our Twitter handle because they don't let you put the full word barking at the end there so we had to kind of make some concessions give us a call 314-246-9766 that's 314 ahoy poo well that about does it for the program we got one last thing to hit you with of course as always our musical selection this week a little something from a group that likes to uh that likes to party this band called taking meds (laughs) called taking meds Song's called Memory Lane. That's the title track from their album Memory Lane. And as we always say at this time, 
Namaste and good luck. Bye-bye. Bye.